You know when you're out with your friends and they all order beer and then you look insane when you don't want any beer? I mean, no offense to any of my friends out there, but I'm not a crazy obsessed beer drinker. I mean, once in a while, but I don't really love it. But I did recently try Bud Light Seltzer. It's not beer. It's a hard seltzer from Bud Light. Finally, there's something I can drink when everyone else is having a beer. Bud Light Seltzer's 5% alcohol, 100 calories, and it comes in four flavors. There's strawberry, lemon lime, mango, and my go-to black cherry. They're all super refreshing and perfect when I want something with a little more kick than just sparkling water. You know what I'm saying? Bud Light Seltzer, unquestionably good. This is the Jillian Michael Show coming at you from TuneIn Studios in Venice, California. Hello, everybody. Hello, everybody. As in the four of us in this room, but everybody Anybody listening, shalom. hello. Shalom. I like shalom. It's very peaceful, isn't it? <laughs> Ciao. Yeah. Ciao. Hola. Good one. What's Japanese? Dobre dzień. What's that? Good day. Russian. Oh, Russian. Ruski. Da. I was going to say. Da. Da. Well, you're Italian. I'm Ruski. Where'd you come up with Russian? <sighs> High school. Wow. And college. You took Russian? I did. Why? Well, I had a choice. Be- Something about a girl? No, it Bummer. was basically whatever teachers spoke the language, that's the languages they taught. And we had German, mm. uh, which everyone knew because they had studied it from like... Sprechen Sie Deutsch. From like Nein. first grade. <laughs> French. Again, they had been studying it for all this time. French, French fries. So I was like, let me start with Russian because I'll be starting Bonjour. from scratch. Oh, so. oh, okay. And so and what else can you say? I can say a lot. I, I I was pretty fluent. There's stuff that comes up when I'm trying to go back over Italian, and I'll be like, "No, that's Russian oh. for it." For how much? Skolka is not Italian. Skolka. That's Russian. It's how do you say the f word in Russian? If you don't know that, you really didn't I learn know Russian. It in German, but I, do I know it in Russian? Well, yeah, but no. in school, and they're really not going to tell you. My practical gra- application. My, my grandmother would not swear in Russian. She was Russian. Oh, there's Ruski in you. There's Ruski in me. Not just Italiano. Uh, Fascinating old girl. One Russian grandmother. Actually, if I trade, well, this is actually going to lead us very, <laughs> very smoothly into my next Love segment. Yeah, but my my mom's mom's side were Austrian Jews, and mm. then they came from Russia though originally. So mm. they went like from I guess it was a whole the whole map was drawn differently 150 years ago but yes. Russia was much bigger correct yes. and yeah and they were Russian Jews and then kind of made their way down through Austria and then over into the UK um but when I trace it all the way back they were Russian Jews wow and um yeah so she's got half Russian Jew half um Sicilian Italian on her dad's side and then my dad which I'm going here comes the segue. Uh, my dad was f- was uh, apparently he's still alive. Um, f- Jesus, <laughs> to, you haven't killed him. Just yet. saying, uh, he's full blown Arab, mm. Syrian, uh, and supposedly Lebanese. But Syrian, his mom, his dad was Lebanese. Um, yeah, and so which brings me to <laughs> Arab, Jew, female. Gay, black kid, and one that was supposed to be brown. I don't know what happened there. <laughs> Heidi outwhited the. Uh... 
the, the dad. The Pennsylvania. Yes. <laughs> she, she, she out whited. Yeah, she managed to white out any any ethnicity I put into that child, which is such a bummer. But he's cute, so there's that. Um, and uh, and I bring this up because we we have not discussed my trip to Africa. Yeah. Ah. And part of it was a vaca- little vacay in Uganda to go see the gorillas, which was cool. Um, debatable, actually, kind mm. of interesting. Like you did CG in the wild. I saw the silverback in the <laughs> wild. I wonder though, like afterwards, and this isn't really what this is about, but they habituate the chimps and the gorillas, mm. and that means that they get them very comfortable around people. Um, not all of them, but. You know, there are very few wild gorilla families at this point, I guess. And I couldn't, there was such a, so much lost in translation. I didn't know if there were 200 families or 200 gorillas. And it's this very small part of the world, like, where, like, Congo, Rwanda, and Uganda kind of intersect. Um, that they live, the gorillas. And, you know, they're like, we protect them, and that's great, of course. But when they familiarize them with mm. people... You know, your your problem is that they can get human diseases from us. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, they can, you know, they're they're more prone to poaching, which they're like, yeah, we don't do that here, but, you know, we keep them from crossing into the Congo. And it's like, but do you? Can you? You can't build a fence on the whole thing. So if they're not afraid of people, they're more prone to, yeah. like, a bad guy. I don't know. I, I did it. I, I don't know. I hope I didn't make a mistake. I mean, who knows? It's also... Tourism that's supporting Eastern Africa and Eastern Africa is in desperate, desperate need yeah. of a tourism industry. Um, and more and more people are going. Um, and they're, they're in Rwanda, apparently, is one of the most incredible um, democracies in all of Africa. I didn't mm-hmm. go to Rwanda. but um, And G's friend who works in the State, sta- the State Department yeah. actually said it's like incredibly beautiful, incredibly safe, incredibly clean. Uh, I found Uganda to be the same. And by the way, you can't even bring a plastic bag into Rwanda. You can't get off the plane with one. They won't allow it. That's fantastic. Yeah. um, And with that said, you know, I found Uganda to be incredibly safe. And then, of course, as soon as I got home, there was a kidnapping on the news. Yeah. But like, when is when's the last time you heard that? You don't hear that every day. No. Um, Of course, everybody was like, oh, my God, dude, somebody got kidnapped in Uganda. And uh, I, I mean, which is the last thing that country needs. Is people being yeah. afraid to go to Uganda now? Because, yeah. I mean, I guarantee you that's going to slow things down a lot. Mm. But anyway, the second part of my trip and the real reason I was there um, was I did my first mission with the UNHCR, which is the United Nations Refugee Agency. Um, and I don't know how much we've really touched on this on the show, but the the refugee crisis and understanding the difference between a refugee... And a migrant. Mm-hmm. Like, yes, they're, you know, we're all immigrants, most of us in this country, unless we're Native American, right? And our, our ancestors were looking for better lives. And I, I'm not against, I, you know, I, I think I, I wouldn't, I'm in no position to, to judge anybody looking for a better life. And I think that there are ways to, you know, provide people safe passage and prove that they're going to be upstanding members of society. But again, that's not what this is about, right? So you can have many different positions on immigration. That is not what a refugee is. A refugee is an individual who has been displaced from their home and they are being persecuted 
uh, for either their religion, their ethnicity, their orientation, um, their race, their whatever. It could be a civil war uh, like it was in so- it is in South Sudan, which um, which is where I was. I was in the Democratic Republic of the Congo visiting a refugee camp for the South Sudanese. Um, and in Syria, right, when you have Syrian refugees fleeing to Lebanon or Jordan, um, they're fleeing a civil war. But it seems to be. And again, I don't even fully understand that one is so crazy. I don't even understand like tribal issues. And then there's Assad, but then there's ISIS. But then I mean, I can't even begin to un- understand the politics of that. But again, they're they're refugees of a civil war. But then you have um, communities like the Rohingyas, which are a community of Muslims that were living in Myanmar, which was formerly Burma, um, that were experiencing atrocities, are experiencing currently, atrocities that are beyond human comprehension, Mm -hmm. like Joseph Mengele kind of evil. Um, You, I, it's, it's beyond evil. It's just evil, Mm -hmm. evil, the kind of thing that will make you switch the podcast off, like if I talk about it, kind of evil. Right. Um, and they're fleeing to places like Bangladesh, right? But this is massive. It's a massive global issue that continues to grow. It's 70 million refugees globally right now. So it could be South America, people running from cartels and you know roping six-year-olds into guerrilla armies, and uh, it could be it could be um, the Middle East. It could be Africa. It, it could be all. It's almost on every continent except. Uh, I th- Ukraine, you've got it's crazy. Except North America, I think. I mean, I have to do more homework because it's such a huge problem, and the education process for me is very slow. But it was my very first mission. They call it a mission. And um, someone like Angelina Jolie has done sixty missions over eighteen years. Wow! And so she's got the title of like special envoy. Um, someone like Ben Stiller, I think, has done eight. I think over two to three years. So he's mm. a, he's a goodwill ambassador. I don't have any title yet. I only did one. You'll get um, there. And th- right. And then you, over time, as you get more familiar with the cause, you can kind of decide where you want to focus your efforts. So for Angelina Jolie, she's about policy. For me, I'd like to be about fundraising. Mm. Um, and of course, raising awareness. But let me just explain, you know, when you think of things like World War II and concentration camps and, uh, you know, we say, oh, n- you know, never forget, never again, That's a lie. This is all happening right now, all over the world. Um, And I look at myself, and as a, again, Arab, Jew, gay woman, Mm. how many parts of the world would I be dead already? Yeah. Or God knows what else, right? Or what would happen to my children, or, you know, my loved ones, my family. I mean, atrocities that are truly. I can't even think of the right word, like straight out of the ninth circle of hell. I, I, I can't even, and I'm not, I, I live a good life. I have been given every opportunity and I'm not saying America's perfect. We are far from perfect, but where else in the world, other than I guess mostly the, the Western world in a lot of ways, yeah. would I be given such privilege to build a life for myself with all of these things that get, get people killed and persecuted globally. And when I looked at this and I thought to myself, God, this is just luck. I'm just lucky. And there are so many people that are just obviously not lucky, born in a different part of the world. And they get persecuted for being who they are. 
what can I do? Um, and listen, I, I do my fair share here, here at home. So if you're listening thinking, we need help here, like, yes, I get it. And believe me, I, I do my work for kids and cancer and heart disease and, you know, animals and all of that. Um, and I, I get that. This is a different thing entirely. This is inescapable. It is atrocities beyond your greatest imagination. And at the very least, my hope is to change someone's mind. You know, you talk to people and it's like, uh, Syrian refugees are terrorists. No, they're fleeing terrorism. Right. Yeah. A, a refugee is fleeing terrorism and persecution. And we have never had one um, resettled refugee commit a terror attack in the United States. Not one. Uh, not one. Statistically, there is not one. Um, and, and we can provide security for ourselves and for others at the same time. Although resettlement is only 1% of the solution. It's about knowing about the issues and supporting policy that helps to, to, to bring people back to their homes, of course, because uh, they really want to go home. Yeah. When you, you know, when each crisis is different, when you look at like a Syrian refugee, this is a person that was just like you and me. Had a job, you yeah. know, had an apartment, <laughs> went to concerts, had a car. You know, this is, this is just like you and me and then just lost everything. And they can't work in the countries they've been resettled in. So they run out of their, they run out of their Resource, savings. Right. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's like, it's just, it's, it's catastrophic. You think some, a woman wants to get in a boat with her babies and risk them all dying if she's not running from pure hell. That's, that's not a migrant. Right. So I just, I want people to understand that this is, this is running for your life. So where I was, was Eastern Africa. And I didn't even know, how about this? I didn't even know there was a civil war in South in, in Sudan. South mm. Sudan. I, I was like, there's a, I thought I was going to Congo for the Congolese. Mm. I was like, wait, what do you mean the Sudanese? Because Congo, by the way, creates as many refugees as it takes in to a certain extent. Although they just got a new leader, so people are hoping things kind of settle down over there. Uh, I didn't even know this was happening. It's the the biggest hmm. civil war in all of Africa right now. Um, so imagine this, right? You're you're talking to individuals, and 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 there's a day that looks as follows. All of a sudden. War breaks out right now, right now. You're listening to my show and war breaks out outside your house, your home, your car, the, the subway, and everybody scatters. You all go running mm -hmm. in different directions. Your husband's at work, your kids are at school, or they're doing you know, who knows what, and you all run in different directions, and it, they're gone. You don't know where they went. You don't know where they are. They don't have, there's no infrastructure for cell phones. Nobody can go back home. They're gone. Mm. You don't know where they are. Yeah. And if you do, maybe one 12-year-old girl who's now 15 saw both of her parents killed right in front of her. Her, I don't, I couldn't, this is what I was able to get from my translator. Like mm. the rest of it, I mean, holy shit. Like ended up living with a neighbor. The sister, older sister, ran. She thinks, she thought that she was in Congo. So the UN, one of the cool things that the UNHCR does is they register refugees uh, so that they can find each other, like like post-World War II <laughs> when they got out of concentration right, camps, the Jews, right. and were trying to find each other. 
So you can be like, yes, your sister came through here. The right way to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we don't have her. She's not here at the settlement now. And then they continue to see if she went to a different settlement in Uganda or whatever. But she exists. She was here. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like, so she, this kid came looking for her sister. They'll travel on foot through the African bush. They get malaria, cholera, typhoid, yellow fever. Now there's an Ebola outbreak in Congo. Yeah. Children, this like this one man, his two chil- two of his children were killed in an animal trap, Ugh. set by poachers. I don't even want to tell you the shit. I there's no when I tell you I was off the grid, I disappeared off of the map. My brother was like, I had you on my friend finder, and then you were gone mm. for three days. Gone. There's no there's no running water. There's no infrastructure. There's five wells for nine thousand people. There is a health clinic with six nurses. They take fifty patients a day. There's no way to get people having babies to the clinic because there's no no one has a mode of transportation. I mean, it is and the UN HCR, their budget for this crisis in East Africa is two hundred million. They're nine percent funded. Wow. Nine percent. So you know, what was supposed to be over and a settlement that was supposed to house a few thousand is up to 9,000 and growing every week. And so, I mean, look, yeah, I want you to change your mind if you have negative thoughts about refugees. Yes, if policy comes up, you know, that, that supports refugees, I, I would like you to consider having empathy in your heart. Edu- just educate yourself about the crisis. Yeah. Like you, you can That's go to stepwithrefugees.org and just, just learn about what these, these, these people have been through and what they're trying. They're just trying to live with dignity and lay their head down without worrying about being killed or their family being killed and have clean food and clean water. They're literally just trying to survive. The resilience I, that I have seen is beyond... I don't know how, and most people I talk to, when I tell them the, the stories of the things I saw, the things I heard, they're like, oh, I'd kill myself. Mm. I mean, and by the way, I mean, you lose two of your children in an animal trap. Yeah, I mean. Uh, yeah, I'm not so sure about that. I don't, I don't know. I mean, that's the mentality. They don't, though. They yeah. don't. They just want education. They have no secondary education. They have two schools with a hundred kids mm. in each classroom, and it's, like the UNHCR, like they are, they're doing the work, but they don't, they need more funding. They need more support. And we can't ship things. Because then I was like, okay, well, like, why don't we contact like this organization and this organization and get them to send bicycles? And they're like, it's East Africa. It will cost more to ship bicycles than for us to get the bicycles in like Kinshasa, which is in the, the capital of the Congo. So it's honestly, they just, they need, need money that's the truth and i get i I get that everybody is struggling and what have you so at the very least you could you could donate your steps by going to stepwithrefugees.org you can learn more about the crisis um you know if you have a few dollars a month please consider donating it this is this is this is not about communities that won't support themselves this is this is genocide in in many cases civil war like this is there's no way out of this they people need help they need mosquito nets they need seeds to grow crops Mm -hmm. they need bicycles to get nurses to women having babies on block 17 when the health clinic is at block two i mean it's just it's intense but you know what's interesting is the fact that despite everything these people have been through their resilience is tremendous 
They have a resilience that I, I personally know I don't have. And it brought up something, G, that you were talking about the other day about community. And maybe that's it. Maybe that's what is holding them together after all they've been through. And I think we should come back and talk about that. Yeah, definitely. So we'll take a break. And yeah, then we'll come back and discuss. To talk about that. There's so many paths to finding your family story. But whether you're tracing them generations back with a family tree or uncovering your ethnicity with ancestry DNA, it's easy to get started with Ancestry. Ancestry DNA can tell you your ethnic origins and give you historical details to bring your family stories to life. And it doesn't just tell you what countries you're from, it can also pinpoint the specific regions. I was pretty sure I knew where my grandparents were from, and now that I've confirmed it with an Ancestry DNA test, I want to see how many generations back I can go. It was super easy to do. I got my kit, sent in my saliva sample, and they sent me my results. Give it a try. Start exploring your family story today. Simply head to my URL at Ancestry.com slash Jillian to get your Ancestry DNA kit and start your free trial. That's an Ancestry DNA kit and a free trial at Ancestry.com slash Jillian. One more time, guys. It's Ancestry.com slash Jillian. Okay, babes, listen up. You can stop worrying that coloring your hair might damage it because Madison Reed's at-home hair color is made with ingredients you can feel good about. That means no more ammonia, no more parabens, phthalates, and no PPD, SLS, or gluten. Madison Reed hair color is infused with argon oil, keratin, and ginseng root extract so you get shiny, healthy-looking hair right at home. And Madison Reed makes it easy to find your perfect shade with their online color quiz. And what's really cool is you can actually try on the different shades with their hair color tool to see how you'll look and find your favorite. Get ammonia-free, multi-tonal hair color delivered to your door for less than $25 at madison-reed.com. And use my promo code Jillian and you'll get 10% off plus free shipping on your first color kit. Again, my promo code is Jillian. Visit madison-reed.com now to find your perfect shade. That's madison-reed.com. How are they so resilient? How? After I saw my husband killed, I saw my parents killed, I saw my children die in an animal trap, I saw this, I saw That's just where I was. That's not like the Rohingyas or the Syrians uh, that went through hell and back or, the, the, you know, all of that. What, what is it? And this is this is something that that G commented on. He was watching something. What was that thing that you showed me? What were you watching that on about? Loneliness. Loneliness. It was a, a clip sent to me um, by a friend who's uh, been struggling with loneliness, and sometimes people can't articulate what they're feeling, but you can just tell they're kind of in a state of being. Kind of like I recently sent you something. I was like, this is how I think. Like this guy put yes. into words yes. how I imagine things and make that the focus, even though it, you can't touch it like I can pinpoint. So this thing on loneliness was fascinating. It was saying that loneliness is a new smoking. It's killing more people every day. Um, and not necessarily by suicide, but just by depression and all these other things that were developing due to a disconnection from society, right. not really by choice, but just how the dynamic of behavior of people have changed. They rather 
follow you on social. They rather text you. (laughs) And you need the voice. You need the touch. You need the laugh. You need the cry. All of that. Eye contact. And and, um, the hug. All of those different things. And this, you know, 60-second little clip that I sent you from this um, doctor talking about loneliness and how it's really a pandemic. And our younger generations are, they don't know how to dialogue. They don't know how to have confrontation without it being catastrophic. And it's just, it's a real sickness that a lot of people are going through. And it's scary. What I find fascinating is you sent that to me. And then and you, when I told you about some of this stuff, you're like, I don't know, I might kill myself. Like, I right. mean, and I was like, I know I think the same and yet they don't. And I wonder, their community is so tight. Yeah. The Congolese go to school with the Sudanese. They live in a village, not a camp yeah. in this particular place. They, there was a story that I, I followed about um, a woman that met another woman at the market and she gave her some of the sugar she had. And like they started this little business together reselling rice from the farmers in Aru, which is this bigger city. I mean, I, and I thought, like, how does a woman with nothing give a woman another woman who she's never met like the little that she does have? It's fa- and the, the Congo has nothing. Yeah. And yet they would give what they have to the Sudanese. Because, by the way, they're members of the same tribe. Yeah. So you can draw a line in the land in Africa, but the tribe is the tribe. It crosses yeah. the land. They're members of the same tribe. Yeah. Well, it's what you and I have always talked about, which is we're stronger together than apart. Yes. And I think that's why you probably get the selfish, the, the selfish act doesn't occur because they're thinking about the impact of... What it's the would, opposite. It, exactly. Like they need each other. So if one is eliminated from the community, it impacts all of them. It's the bigger picture. So if something tragic happens, everyone shares in that same pain, that same mourning, right. but together. You know, like, look, for example, in a Jewish family, when someone passes away, they, they sit they shiva, shiva, right? And what's that? That's nothing more than you go to someone's home, you eat, you talk, and you're together. Mm. On my side of the equation, <laughs> Catholic families, you go bury them, and then you're maybe you go to eat well, afterwards. And Italian it's, families, but like it's not first a, have to scream and put yeah, your hair I mean, out and throw your body on. Yeah, the you know, you go to a wake and all this. It's like okay, let's deal with the person that's moved on, and then let's all get together for a period of time. Right. And so I, I don't know. It's just it it worries me. You know, from a point of view of like. God, what happens with people that don't are in limbo about wanting to start a family? Like, I'm like, I don't know if I want to have kids now post being divorced. I'm like, I don't know if I really want to be married again. But then you start thinking about that and you're just like, oh, my God. The time will come when you're ready, baby. I, I, I know I, what it is because ju- I'm, I'm dealing with it with a, with a younger girl that, like, wants to start a family. And it's like, you've been there, done that. It's terrifying. Yeah. And it's I'm like, I've been there, done that. And I got a divorce. And it was horrible. Even yeah. though Heidi's a very dear friend, but like, I yeah. never need to go. I was like, I can't like do this again. Mm-hmm. I have I can't, a, whole, a whole segment here. Yeah, oh, it's a different, it's a different <laughs> thing. But like, it's, a, I think it's cause you and I have been, it, that was, and to be like, oh my God, I had to go through it again and lose it again. And right. like is terrifying. But, but I think when you're, give it a minute. I mean, it's still so fresh. Give it a minute. No, it's just fascinating to see that that is becoming more and you know what loneliness has always been there. Like I watched my grandmother, you know, yeah. leave my grandfather, never remarry, never date, 
spent probably the last 35 years of her life by herself. Yeah. And so, but God, she was strong mm. and she was this. And she but she all- had you guys, she had your mom. I mean, like, and you you stay close with Audrey, your sister. Oh, you yeah. stay so close with your parents. You're so close with all your friends. I mean, it's just friends from childhood. Like, oh, you, I know. You, I mean, it's like, and, and I think that that's where we can do more is like, how do you build yeah. those relations? Play that clip. Let's listen to the audio. It's a minute. So it is crazy. And then in America, half of Americans are lonely. 40% lack uh, meaningful relationships. Younger people are actually more lonely than senior citizens. Uh, 9 million people are lonely. Over 200,000 adults haven't spoken to a close friend or relative in the past month. Uh, it's just a major problem in Japan. 20,000 people die of loneliness every year. Uh, so it's it's a global problem. Uh, we lack community, sadly. Ending loneliness is tough, but doing something about it is essential to our living a healthy and fulfilling life. And how do you do that? It's you put the energy in to harness the relationships you currently have. Parents, siblings, friends. So we need to start to think about, it's about taking ownership of your calendar. It's about thinking about who you want to be friends with forever, who you want to support forever. So we're going to put a link to that clip and some other links to resources uh, for the refugees in the show notes. The guy's name, just so you know, who did the clip is Dan Schwabel, it looks like. Yeah. I mean, that's actually, that's very solid advice. Hey, Jillian, you know what? We have a guest on the phone. We have- I do know what, because he's my friend. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Are we going to pretend like I don't do know what? Do you know health and fitness expert and author, Jorge Cruz, is going to be on today? He's on the line right now? He's on You're the line kidding. right now. You're kidding. Stop it. Hi, Jorge. Hi, buddy. What's up, guys? How are you, Cindy? What's up, Jillian? Good to what's up? Hey, what's up, Pete? Yeah. Well, okay. So Jorge is actually a, a personal friend of mine, but he's on the show today to talk about his brand new book, which is actually, you just sent me a thing. It's number one in nutrition. It's crazy. It hasn't even really been out a whole week. I launched it just last week and uh, it wasn't in existence a week ago and, uh, you know, on the bestseller list yet. And yeah, it's all about taking kind of like what people are doing right now, intermittent fasting and, and making it more applicable and easy because, you know, I've worked with people like Steve Harvey and, and in Malibu, you know, Brooke, and the one issue with fasting is hunger. So this kind of, we have a little biohack uh, that helps people churn off hunger with healthy fats. And uh, it's not keto. It's better than keto, in my opinion. <laughs> uh, I would do. <laughs> Yeah, she's clapping. So, well, so first of all, the book is called "The Cruise yeah. Control Diet: Automate Your Diet yeah. and Conquer Weight Loss Forever." So that's the title. And totally. so, let's start from the very beginning, sweetie. So, tell me what a made you want to write because you have a million bestsellers. What made you oh. decide this was the book to write right now? That's a great question, Jillian. I mean, for me, you know, I've written over 30 books, and all of them were to help me in some way initially because I was an overweight, fat, little Mexican-American kid 21 years ago. And then my first book came up as I learned about strength training and how that helped, you know, with, with building muscle and metabolism. And so I wrote my first book on exercise because that's my kind of the lane I drive in is, is fitness. But then as I grew older, and especially like 
three, almost five years ago when I hit, because I'm 48 right now, when I was 43, my body started to not like behave itself. And, you know, it's hard being in midlife. And for anyone out there who's over 40, you know, I'm almost 50. It got hard. We're going to the gym for an hour and a half, whether it was in Malibu and San Diego and Del Mar, wherever it wasn't enough. And so out of just going crazy and I had belly fat, which I hate, you know, it's ugly and it's not no, healthy. No, you so didn't. For me, Shut up. I you're did. Like, you're no, I so did. shredded. Really? You know, well, I, I am. Come now, on. But, you know, I really? was going to the gym. I mean, in mouth <laughs> fitness. Yeah. I mean, I mean like you're shredded. Up. Shredded. Well, because. Well, for me, you know, I never knew that not just because I always tell people, you know, this that fitness begins in the kitchen. And I think yeah. you agree with that. 100%. To some degree. Sure. Absolutely. You can't train a poor diet. And no. so I wasn't out training a poor diet. I had a very healthy diet, but I didn't realize the power of what a lot of people call time restricted eating and this idea of eating in an eight hour Oh my God, window. I love that name, yeah. actually, yeah. I, because so many people, when they ask me about this, I'm like, well, first of all, you know, I'm not an expert. I, I I know a little bit about it because of, of the aging book that I wrote and the benefits of it with regard to age. But I, I was like, what I do you that. think it yeah. is? And people always think it's, you know, a starvation diet. And I'm like, it's it's not. Like when you think about fasting, it's a period of the day where you don't eat. But when you call it time-restricted eating right there, you have yeah, clarified yeah. it so clearly. I love that. You know, it's, it gives people, I think, in midlife, a way to transform their health, and it's so much better than keto because you know how much oh, I, I hate think keto is so dangerous. Here come the headlines. It's yeah, the it's no. dangerous for the liver. It is. Oh my god! And a host of other things. But but so wait you a know? second. So wait, back up real quick. What is this concept, and how have you well, put it into so it's cruise control? Because yeah, like, it's, you, it's basically, yeah. I had to create what I call cruise. It's a hashtag too. Hashtag cruise control fasting rather than intermittent fasting, but it's a derivative of it where basically we cheat. The fast, Jillian, with healthy fats, like, and I know people will be like, no, you can't have butter or, you know, heavy cream or MCT oil, but I use a little bit of that, no more than about two tablespoons in my coffee in the morning. And then I have a beautiful lunch, like a big ass salad, you know, like at one o'clock, two o'clock, my buddy Mark Sisson has got me onto this avocado oil. And you know how important that can be for anti-inflammation and all that. So I have a beautiful big salad, a little piece of meat. And then at dinner, you know, I'll have like a cauliflower pizza or fried rice. like cauliflower fried rice. Jorge, you got to try um, a new rice brand that Jill and I are investors in called Right Rice. Oh, yeah. It's a, it's a lentil rice. Yep. Yeah, With, it's uh, a brand new, actually. Protein and fiber in it. You can get We're it gonna... nationwide at Whole Foods and at Amazon. I'll send it to you, babe. Oh, but 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 uh, so we, Okay, so I want to go back again. So real quick, tell me exactly what it looks like, and then I want to know why it works. So time-restricted so, eating, what am I looking at, and how come this uh, works? Oh, yeah, 100%. So what it does is it helps lower, it, it helps basically lower belly fat first. And for anyone out there, people, the cover of the book says lose 28 pounds in 28 days. So fasting works, intermittent fasting, which is a 16-hour window. So for everyone listening, listen, right now, this is it. That's what Jillian wanted. 16 hours of not eating. Now, but does that mean not eating anything, not water, not coffee? What does that mean? It means not raising insulin. And so if you can okay. keep it really low. There we go. I got it. That's the trick. And that has got to be the trick because 16 hours in, I'm interjecting. Because <laughs> yeah. you, when you and I were talking about this and I was like, you're going to have to teach yeah. me about this because I can't, can't get past 12. I feel like I'll eat my freaking arm off. So oh, no. thank you. All right. Keep, <laughs> keep, sorry, babe. Keep going. 
No, no, no. So basically, you know, and, and hopefully I'm praying to God that everyone listening sleeps at least six hours a night, maybe eight. So then mm-hmm. you're looking at if you have 16 hours, half of it is in bed, hopefully sleep passed out. Right. So you got four hours in the morning and you got four hours at night. I call these the bumper zones. This is our 16 hour belly fat, body burning. There's a fancy word in biology called autophagy when your body does housekeeping. Right. So in that 16 hours, magic happens. Your body is like, is happy. It's like, I'm happy. But there's a hack in the morning or at night, I'll do high fat, kind of, they're keto-esque. I hate to use that word, but I will just say they're high fat desserts or high fat drinks in the morning, but just during those bumper zones to curb the appetite. So imagine having some really delicious, and it can even be sweet flavored, but I like monk fruit or stevia, right. or I try not to use real sugar, but I'll create like, I like this morning, right in front of me, I have a cup of coffee and then you add healthy fats. And for me, the easiest ones that everyone already has in their grocery store, or maybe even in the refrigerator, but are scared to use. I do a tablespoon of butter, grass-fed butter. I like uh, the gold kind. And then I'll I'll do a tablespoon of heavy cream. And then I do add a teaspoon of the MCT oil, which stands for medium-chain triglyceride, which comes from coconut oil. More than that, and you get tummy troubles, but a teaspoon, it turns off the hunger. And then if you don't feel hungry, guess what? You're like happy. And that's it. And so I do that in the morning. And have you ever used MCT oil at all, Jill, or no? You know what, babe? I I got involved in MCTs when we got behind yeah, coconut yeah. milk years ago, right, and like right. unintentionally. But I remember telling G, and this is like well over a decade ago. I was like, I'm telling you right now, coconut's a thing, not coconut water even per se, but coconut fats from coconut because ah, oh. of the way the body uses these these medium chain oh, fatty acids yeah. for fuel. And everybody at first was like, Oh my god, heart disease! And I was like, yeah, Okay. And then sure enough, now it's like. Oh, super healthy. <laughs> well, it, it so y- years it, ago it, I did with with coconut milk. Yeah, and people don't realize that it's also anti-inflammatory and it can help you stay young. But you know, my clients—they're more basic people from the Midwest. They just don't want to feel hungry, like Steve Harvey. I don't that, want to feel hungry. To oh my god! Yeah, and, and that so was my issue off. with it because, like, yeah. I remember yeah. when I was working on the aging book, and I—I I was like, okay, there's no denying that this is going to have massive anti-aging benefits. And the studies were all based on 16 hours. And in my book, I was like, I personally cannot get, because I didn't, you know, this is not what my book is about. So I I was like, look, these are, you know, one of the top benefits. This is why we talk about, you know, you're hearing about intermittent fasting, whatever. But like, I can get to 12 hours. The studies have been done on 16. If you can get to 16, God bless you. I get to 12, sometimes 13. But I didn't, didn't have any of these kind of, I didn't do the research on fasting. I just knew the benefits of, yeah. we'll say, time-restricted eating. I like that way better, the yeah. way you put it. Oh, yeah. And I didn't – I never actually heard of the, the, those bumper zones or how to kind of get through them to get to that 16, 16 hours. So I really love this strategy, and I personally am going to try, to try it. Here's the thing. The, we keep hearing about intermittent fasting. I have seen it so – bastardized into things like 500 calories a day and which is extremely bad right and that's when you you take autophagy and it gets out of control and you lose healthy tissue and it's like your book very clearly defines the the life-changing benefits of time-restricted eating but how to do it in a way where you don't feel deprived you don't find yourself overeating because you're starving after 12 hours you've got all clean healthy foods 
to help yeah. stabilize your blood sugar, manage insulin yeah. levels. And I mean, but it's a plan. It's a, it's a, I mean, you, I know you and I know you've spent years writing this yeah. book. So this is not no, as simple it's all as the it's all the macros. This isn't yeah. like removing a macro group. It's balanced eating, very Mediterranean. It's like we're going to Italy type of thing. A lot of healthy vegetables, healthy oils, healthy carbs, healthy proteins. And it's, and it, and it's also enjoying life because come on, how many of us, Cindy, are you, do you like a glass of red wine or G? And I know she's Italian. Uh, yes. She's Italian. Like tequila. Tequila. <laughs> oh, tequila. Red wine. Tequila or tequila. I mean, God bless Cindy Crawford. I love her tequila, but whatever, <laughs> you know, whatever, you know, whatever the tequila or the beverage or for those who don't drink, if you guys want to, you know, I have these little healthy fat snack cookies I love or keto snaps. I mean, I know keto is a scary word, but, you know, healthy fat with uh, almond flour. I try to whatever your, your keto thing is, foods are OK. It's just the, it's just when the body becomes ketotic and acidic. Yeah, that's different. That's not what your diet is about. So, no. yes, bringing keto foods that are low in sugar and processed grains is like I want to clarify for everybody listening it's a keto food does exactly that so but when you were like oh I'm starving my body of like legumes and whole grains and fruits like that's when you're that's a whole different ball of wax so now uh, the bottom line is if you guys are at all curious and I know you all are because it's like one of the hottest topics in health fitness nutrition about intermittent fasting or again I much prefer time restricted eating this is the book on the market about it Um, and this is a personal friend of mine who has helped me understand this concept and how to implement it into my life in a more effective way so that I can get the most out of it instead of collapsing at hour 12 Uh, and obviously you get the book everywhere. I mean, we all know this. You can get it at Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Books a Million, but babe, your website, like people, where can they go to get more on you? There's always your Instagram and all of that, but yeah, like the easiest thing, because no one can ever spell my name, right? It's JorgeCruz.com, like Tom Cruise, but I would just go to CruiseControlFasting.com. That'll kind of branch you out. I have a podcast that I'm so honored to have had you on that we're launching our interview about your book. I think it's coming out this week. So that'll be great. And I love you, Jill. Thank you for all your support. And thank you, G and Cindy, for, for supporting this. And, and thank you guys for listening. I'm really grateful. Yeah, continued success, Jorge. Thanks, Jorge. I think I see you for a birthday dinner in a few days. <laughs> yeah, I'm in. I'm in. I'll see you soon, baby. All right. Love you. Bye. Love you too. Bye. Bye. 